Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I am your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Dave Burles Berlin. What's up, Doc? You know when you have like a crazy weekend hmm. and it takes you like a couple of days to recover? Oh, I'm yeah. Like, I party I'm hard. Like, <laughs> nope. I'm at that point right now, but... If there's anything that I think will help me recover, it's the show. It's this show. Yeah. Yes! Yeah, I agree. 100%. That's what this show does. It's a it's a party cure. Nope. Uh, <laughs> it'll sober you up. <laughs> it'll sober you up like none other. Oh yeah. Listeners, we have an amazing show today. We have our good friends from Bella Vita. Say what? Super sensational group out of Colombia. Two new hits. Yeah. No one's ever heard before on the show tonight. We dropping also that new music. Also have the one, the only Ryan Clark, former NFL Ooh. star, current ESPN analyst. I mean, my goodness, the show. I'm excited about this show. You brought you brought another good one to the table, sir. Lunker. Word. Lunker. I brought another a lunker. lunker. I'm not afraid to say that Ryan is a lunker. He may punch me in the face for that, but I'm going to it's a it's a positive, Ryan. It's a positive. Nope. Um, Dave, before we get into all that though. Yes, sir. I, I've got to talk about something. I've got to talk about get something. It off your chest. Yep. Yep. Something that's grinding my gears, Dave. It's grinding my gears. I've been seeing this more and more on TV, hearing it on radio, seeing it on the news, news articles about it, and I got to be honest, mm-hmm. I think it's sort of stupid. That's right. It, okay. It, 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 I don't like it because it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, I gave it a name, Dave. Um, Dave, have you ever heard of the proper eating police? Hmm. I have not, but I feel like they would destroy me. Okay, well, uh, don't worry, because it's not an actual collated group yet. Nope. I just put all of these turds out there that tell you you're eating things wrong in a group called the Proper Eating Police. That's a fact. That is the Proper Eating Police. Have you ever heard I hate that? Those people. Exactly. On the news, I, I ha- on TV, it's ridiculous. Like no, I haven't heard of it, just personal experiences. Like, yeah, yeah. let me eat my own freaking food. Exactly, exactly. Like, I've seen it so many times. They actually have a special segment on the Food Network now about how to proper. And I'm like, no, don't tell me. I don't need to know. Like, it, Dave, did you know that's not how you eat a banana? Girl, come on. Yeah, it is. Did it get in my mouth? That was correct then. Dude. I did it. I, the the one that annoys me the most is the cupcake. Hmm. No, I don't even know about the cupcake. I don't even well, know have about you that. Ever, have you ever eaten it and, you know, you ha- you get the frosting all over you and the person's like, you're supposed to cut the cake in half and make a sandwich out of it. That's the right way to eat it. And I was like, wait, what? People tell me that all the time. I'm like, there's no way yeah, that whoever you- invented the cupcake expected it to be eaten like that. 
That's totally the right way. If you want to look like a stupid loser, go for that. That's a fact. Exactly. Now, I mean, now on on, on huh? the other hand, though, if somebody wants to do that and I'm eating with them, I'm not going to be like, what the f- are you doing, you stupid freak? Right. Why are you doing that? I don't care. Nope. It's the way you eat something, man. The only way if you eat something wrong is if you don't successfully get it in your stomach or it kills yeah, you. You miss, you miss the mouth. Yeah, those like. are the only two ways. If you shove it in your ear and you're like, oh, missed it that time. Word. Better luck next time. That works, right? Then you can say you're eating it wrong. The proper... Yep. The proper eating police, too, they're always just so condescending, right? So true. It's not how you eat tacos. Mm-hmm. Taco! I can eat it any way I want. It's not a differential equation. <laughs> There's not a way to solve this thing. It's a taco. I'm going to eat it the way I want to eat it. It's ridiculous, man. Ridiculous. I don't like it. I, ha- I hate them. I don't like it. The proper eating police act like it's, it's, it's so important, too, like when they tell you. Like the cupcake people, no doubt. They're like, Dave, you're eating that cupcake wrong. It's as if you eating that cupcake was you giving their kid cholera. Word. You're like, what? It's a cupcake, man. Did it get in my mouth? Am I enjoying the delicious sweetness of this cupcake? Then it's good. Yes. Leave me alone. Yeah, like, they're like, you got frosting all over your beard. The frosting was going to get on my beard anyways. Like, yeah. Let's be real. It's called a flavor saver for a reason. I'm saving Amen. it for Amen. later, man, brother. It will be delicious. <laughs> okay, Dave, I'm going to make a bold statement right now. Do it. Here at the Dog G Show, we, we may tell you where you should eat. So true. We may tell you something you should try to eat. So true. But we will Correct. not tell you how to eat it. Nope. Never. You stick that food however you want down your throat hole. You do it. You do it your way. Not our way. Your way. Sweet. Dave, are you ready to fire the show up? Dude, let's fire it up, man. Let's go. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and lift off. Dave, like I said earlier, man, my goodness, the show. My goodness, the show. We have... Always, man. I mean, the new music, I'm so excited about this. Bella Vita, they've been around. You know, we've had a lot of their songs on the, on the show before. They are a fantastic group. They've got two new bangers. Jake, my friend Jake, their bassist, was like, dude, you're, you're going to when you hear this music. And I was like, I'm ready. I've got an extra pair and, of pants in the did. studio. You know? So I'm ready to go. On top of that, the one, the only Ryan Clark, SEC champion, Super Bowl champion, ESP analyst. I mean, we're gonna talk we're gonna talk family, we're gonna talk food, we're gonna talk football. The three Fs that I just made oh, up for I Ryan see what Clark. You did there. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But first, we start where we start. Birthday suit. Let's do it. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Okay. Um. Uh, oof, Dave. Uh, I, I think these are do- the, no, they're doable. I think they're all doable. Okay. Uh, okay. First one, born on July thirty first, nineteen fifty eight, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Our birthday suit wearer seemed to be an entrepreneur at a young age. At the age of 12, he wanted this nice pair of basketball shoes, so he sold garbage bags and powdered milk to buy them. Word. Which 
Just just a note. That's a reference in two stories. Like I looked that up to make sure this was like coming from a source, and I was like, hmm. "What? That is so weird." I guess that's, that's what I'm thinking. I guess that's door to door. Like think about that. That's 1970, and here comes a 12 year old up to your door, and he's like, "Hey, would you like these garbage bags?" What? And you're like, how about some powdered milk? <laughs> no. Oh, that's understandable. How about this powdered milk? You want some of that? No. Why are you so weird? That's it didn't say whether or not he actually got the shoes, so I'm guessing he probably didn't sell enough to buy the shoes. Anyways, oh. I derailed. Our birthday suit wearer enrolled at the University of Pittsburgh a year early, but then he transferred mm-hmm. to the University of Indiana where he graduated with a degree in management. He moved to Dallas and started a company called Micro Solutions. He sold Micro Solutions to CompuServe for $6 million. He then started Broadcast.com, which was bought by Yahoo for $5.7 billion in Yahoo stock. Jeez. In 2000, he purchased the Dallas Mavericks for two hundred and eighty-five. Oh, million. Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban is correct. Right. Wait, you say he was born in nineteen fifty? In nineteen fifty-eight. Nineteen fifty-eight. Fifty. Yeah. So he's sixty-one. 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 Mark Cuban is sixty-one. Mark Cuban, sixty-one. Man. Holy crap. Right? That's a fact. Right? Wow. I guess when you got money like that, you don't really age I better I like better spark is, Yeah, okay. I, I spot checked it real quick just to make sure we weren't wrong. Yes. 1958. Yes. Yes. Crazy, right? Wow. Yeah. Now yeah. it makes a little bit more sense though with the powdered milk and and uh garbage bags now, right? You're like, eh. Yeah, cuz I mean, he's just a shark, you know, so he'll just sell whatever he can. Well, he's also a little weird. So true. So, you mean, you know. Yeah, he's a little out there, but I mean, I love him, man. He's the man. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. I, you know, I mean, uh, as far as owners go, he definitely uh, sticks up for his players. He's definitely jazzed about owning his uh, franchise. So you know, that's right. He brought him a championship. What year was that? 2011, 10, Ooh, 2000, something like that. Yeah. Eight, nine, ten. One of those. It was right, but it wasn't it the one right before LeBron won two with the Heat. I think that was 2011. It, I, 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 I checked during the break. Check during the break. Anyways, it he doesn't matter. 61. So 61 for Mark Cuban. Happy birthday, Mark. I know you're going to have a good time celebrating, sir. Yes! Joined the cast of Shark Tank in 2011. That was him. That was I him. love the show. Yeah. Big fan. I enjoy watching. I mean, I'm not. I don't go out of my way to watch it, but when it's on, I'm like, "Ooh, I'll watch this." Mm, sounds like me with River Monsters. That's more on River Monsters for me. <laughs> so true. I like to see him, man. I like to see him reeling the big ones, the lunkers. You I know, that's what I'm about. It. I'm about the lunkers. Oh yeah, you're all about the lunker life. Well, in it's, all aspects. Well, uh, River Monsters so great because it's Jeremy Wade. He's a crazy English fisherman. That's a fact. That makes everything sound serious and smart because he's English. And oh, yeah. it's it's just fantastic because he goes out in the middle of nowhere in India and Brazil and all these places. And then he'll pull out like a 300-pound fish from the river. And you're like, holy Lord, that thing was yeah. in there? I'm like, I haven't ca- caught a two-pound fish in a river before. Nope. I threw like five lures in there and lost them and then gave up and fell asleep on the bank. That's how my fishing escapades go. Yes! 
Anyways. Accurate. Anyways, happy birthday, Mark Cuban. Moving on. Yes, sir. Dave, are you ready to rip some headlines? Mm. Let's rip it, Doc. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Dave, this first story comes from Fox 35 here in Florida, in Orlando. Um, Dave, this is a bit of an odd story. Uh, this was in several news outlets. So, uh, Lumfotten, Lumfotten, I think Lumfotten is his name. Uh, he's from Thailand. Um, okay. He was having some trouble breathing at night mm. when he was sleeping. And he was a little oh, uh, a little concerned about this, right? And uh, so a while back, Lamfontan had got a uh, camera that he had set up in his house to monitor his cat uh, while he was at work. Because apparently he's a big fan of his cat. His cat, Akai. Mm-hmm. Um, I can understand that. So he was watching his cat, Akai, and he was like, you know what? I got this camera. Why not I check out what I'm doing while I'm sleeping? Maybe there's something weird, like, you know, I'm shoving pillows in my face or something. Who knows? Mm. So okay. he puts the camera on him at night. And uh, there we go. so while he's sleeping, the camera showed that Akai was coming in the room and sleeping on his face. What? <laughs> just the cat would just come in and just lay on his face and just like stare at the uh, camera and be like, "Yeah, this is where I sleep. This is cool." That's right. And he put a bunch of uh, uh put a bunch of pictures on Twitter of this. Now, I got to say mm-hmm. I got I've got major questions about this. Like in the past, I've been awoken by bugs that have crawled across me at night, like small bugs, yep. right? Mhm. I'm Mm -hmm. definitely waking up if a cat sits on my face. So true. Like, there's no way that he's just going to lay there, and then I'm going to wake up in the morning and be like, you know what? I feel like I was having trouble at some point Mm. in time. Like, how good of a sleeper is Lymphontin that he doesn't even notice? Like, that's That's what I'm thinking. I mean, I got Storm and Bentley. If they even touch the bed... While I'm sleeping, I wake up. Yeah, Bentley man. does this thing where he s- sleeps between your head and the headboard. Mm. And, oh, that <laughs> me off so much. <laughs> I mean, it's cute as sometimes, but th- sometimes he just catches you at the wrong time. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm too light of a sleeper for that. The, uh, right. Then, then the other thing I noticed about our bro Lomfontan is he's sleeping like a mummy in all of these pictures. What? He's just laying oh, straight, hands, like, straight on his back. Just like, not like I'm like, do you sleep like that all night? Like, that's the only way this cat could lay on your face. Because, like, I flip over 37 times at night. And that's a oh, minimum. A minimum. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, man. Anyways, I'm glad Lamfontan figured it out. Maybe he got maybe he got a Kai a, a bed or something. I don't know. Solve <laughs> that problem. Uh, so this story is from Newsweek, Dave, in uh, okay. Lincolnshire, England. That's a fact. Um, so mm. Stephen Murphy uh, was wanted in court on July 9th for some criminal damage charges. Uh, well, he didn't show up to court. Uh, yep. Another, another no show. And so the police release a mugshot of Stephen Murphy 
so they have their wanted picture, and they're like, this is the guy that's wanted. And a local news article actually ran the mugshot, you know? Lincolnshire reporter mm-hmm. ran it. And Stephen Murphy apparently used to be a male model. Sweet. And uh, okay. Stephen found this mugshot. Mm. Unflattering angle, bad lighting. He did not like it. That's whack. So he commented on the article and then in another comment posted another picture of himself. And he added the comment a little later that said, it's the middle of the summer, you idiot. You think I want to be in prison? Catch me if you can. Wait, what? Oh, wow. What? What? I'm, I'm going to be honest. No disrespect. I don't know Stephen Murphy, but he doesn't seem like a Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio to me. Nope. I don't think he's avoiding the no. police. He's not a catch-me-if-you-can kind of guy. I just don't see it happen. And I also thought about it. I was like, if the cops really want to throw some shade to Stephen Murphy... They should bet him his mugshot can't get 27,000 likes on Facebook. So true. I think that's what they should Bring do. him in. Be like, guess what? This dude back here in Boston, he got 27,000 likes. You think you can do that? I don't think you can. Nope. Just just your male model looks can't take it. That's what I'm telling you, Stephen Murphy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ah, Dave, here's a story from CBS News. Big outlet. Uh, Dave, have you been to South Florida recently? Hmm. Traveled down um, our state? I've been only down to like Orlando recently, but I've done my fair share of time. Oh, actually, I went to Key West last year, so, you know. Okay, okay. That's about well, as south so, as you can so get. So while you were driving through, you know, Dade uh, County, uh, Broward mm-hmm. County, uh, did mm-hmm. you notice the large population of iguanas? Hmm. Yes. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, yeah, they're yeah, all over they're the everywhere. place. Yeah, they're an invasive species. That's a fact. Well, at the start of the month, the Florida Fish and Wildlife Commission issued a statement stating to homeowners to humanely kill iguanas on their own property whenever possible. Word. Um, that statement got wow. some blowback from citizens and wildlife groups. They didn't. They didn't like the the terms apparently. But apparently. People were just taking this statement to mean they should just shoot iguanas whenever they saw them, basically. Hmm. (laughs) People were like, oh, they want me to shoot them. All right. I see them all the time on the sidewalk. We'll blaze up. No doubt. These iguanas are going down. Uh, Getting that smoke. So the the Florida Wildlife Commission came out and released a new statement titled, FWC provides additional information on iguana removal. Uh, after the statement was released, Commissioner Rodney Barreto, uh, he had to say, unfortunately, the message has been conveyed that we are asking the public to just go out and shoot them up. Girl, come on. This is not what we are about. This is not the Wild West. Slam. Come on, Rod. You had to see it coming. You told Floridians to kill iguanas on their own property whenever possible. Of course people took that to mean if you're headed to Taco Bell to live moss and you see an iguana on a mailbox, you point your gun out the window and you shoot that little spiky dinosaur. That's what they took yeah. it as. Come I mean, on. How did they think they were going to kill him? Like with a f- pitchfork and shovel? A, gui- and- a guillotine. You know what I mean? Like I sentence you to death, iguana. Yeah, I'm you sorry. Hang them or something. 
that'd be sad. So true. Uh, a little sad oh, iguana gosh. being hung. Uh, the new statement also had other tips on how to keep iguanas away from your property. And I found this interesting. Uh, apparently, there are certain plants that you can have on your property that will attract iguanas. That they'll find like tempting. They'll find tempting to eat. Uh, I didn't actually read the oh, whole thing because probably I didn't some have like the, citrus trees. Pro, and stuff. Pro, well, yeah, I would say some type of produce because they they like all produce. They eat lettuce. They'll eat carrots. Yeah, they're big. Yeah. They're, they're big omnivores. They'll eat the opportunist. Um, but then mm-hmm. here's here's the one that I was really interested in. Um, they told uh, Florida homeowners not to hang wind chimes. Or to sorry mm. to hang wind chimes as oh, a way to, kind of to deter them. them. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Apparently, iguanas hate wind chimes. That's a fact. And uh, I see that. I've got to say, I'm with iguanas. Yes! Generally, wind chimes are just creepy. Like yeah, creepy and annoying. Basically, every time I hear wind chimes, I'm just waiting for some Jason-like figure to slowly emerge out of some bushes and maybe like, oh Jesus, oh, <laughs> a thousand percent, a it's thousand not, percent. It's not a good sound. Um, Dave, I'm pretty sure you remember uh, on the show when I described how a lot of people treat an inconvenience like a threat to their survival. That was on January mm-hmm. 30th. I think we remember yep. that. Well, this next story from the Times Free Press shows the opposite. Hmm. This story shows how Claude Maboa made a threat to his survival into an inconvenience. He did Mm. the opposite. So, Claude uh, lives in the Congo uh, in Africa. Yeah, and and Claude, to put it mildly, over the past couple of years, has been through some (laughs) That's to put it mildly. (laughs) Mildly, okay. Um, He has lost his mother, his brother, and his sister to Ebola. Jeez. Yeah. Oh wow. Not good. That's that's no, not good that's at some... all. Exactly. And just a couple of weeks ago, Claude was diagnosed with the disease too. Wait, what? Not mm. good, right? Now not good I, at all. Obviously, um, if 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 I were to uh, contract that horrible disease, that would all I'd be able to think of. That's all most people would be able to think of. They'd be like, "Holy, holy crap! I've got mm-hmm. the sure. most one of the most deadly diseases ever." Um, but even though Claude had seen three of his family members die from this di- uh, disease, that wasn't his worry. His worry was, "How am I going to complete my college entrance exams?" Word. That's what Claude was worried about. He was like, oh, no, I have the disease where I bleed out all of my orifices. How am I going to take my exams? Hmm. And Claude convinced the officials at the exam proctoring center to come to his isolation chamber and watch him take the exam through a window after he finished each page of the exam, he held it up so the proctor could take an ex- uh, take a picture of it and grade it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and when he was asked about, you know, why? Why would you do that? He was like, well, my mother told me, my son, you must study. If you have your diploma, you will succeed in life. Even if your parents are gone, 
You still have to live your life. What? What? I've got to say, they haven't graded the exam yet. They haven't totaled up Claude's, uh, you know, his score. But I don't really care if he got every single question wrong. Nope. That man should get into college. He like, should get into Harvard. Like, like exactly. Automatically. Exactly. <laughs> Talk about the best story of how you made it to college. Somebody's like, oh, man, I had a night job, and I sold plasma on the weekends to save up for college. Hmm. And Claude's like, really? I took my qualification exams when I had Ebola. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. You if, win. If everybody had to go through that to get to college, way less people in college. That's a fact. Way sure. less. <laughs> that would be a very small number in there. Um, okay, Dave, you ready for a straight headline? Give it to me. Straight oh. as an arrow. Okay, this headline comes from the New York Post. Quote, Mother Teresa's former assistant killed in bar brawl. Wait, what? What? Wow. What? What, what? kind of life tur turns did this guy make? Man. So apparently Mark Bloomfield uh, was mm -hmm. Mother Teresa's assistant. And he was okay. leaving Full Moon Pub in Wales... When he got into an altercation hmm. and ended up with Mark Bloomfield dying, three people were arrested: a 60-year-old man, a 20-year-old man, a 21-year-old man, and a 50-year-old woman. What happened? How, how old was this guy? I, he wasn't that old. Uh, I didn't actually check his 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 age, but he didn't look that old in the picture. I'm going to be honest. Nope. Um, hmm. I mean. I got so many questions that weren't answered in the story, by the way. It was a very short story. Like, were these three people just, like, haters of Mother Teresa? And, like, if so, how do you hate Mother Teresa? Like, what... Or what did, like, Mark Bloomfield say to these people? Like, how does this happen? I'm so confused, so many, So many questions. So confused. All right, Dave, last story here. This, is, this story's out of the U.K., um, okay. You're an outdoorsy fella, right? Yeah, I like going outside. Yes! Now, typically, when you've got an outdoors trip, uh, mm -hmm. you'd check the weather radar, right? That'd be smart to do so. Yeah, and it's a pretty big downer when you've got a sweet outdoor trip planned and you see a bunch of rain clouds headed your way on the radar, right? That's right. Oh, yeah, the worst. Pretty big downer. Well, uh, surprisingly, this past week... Uh, when folks in England saw rain on their radar, it was actually way worse than rain. Hmm. Because when they saw the rain on the radar, it turned out not to be rain. It turned out to be huge swarms of flying ants. Ew. Really? Yeah. Yeah. On the That popped up on the radar? It was enough ants that it actually showed up and looked like rain because it was so thick and so widespread. Yeah. Oh, that's scary. Yeah. Uh, a meteorologist said for it to actually appear on the radar imagery, that's just something certainly incredible. And I just feel for all the people that have to experience those flying ants. Hmm. Then a lot of people uh, commented on Twitter 
And Martin Jones, a resident of the area with the flying ants, he tried to put a positive spin on Twitter. He said, quote, We won't be overrun. Over an other animals will feast on them. So please, don't worry about the ants. Word. Martin, I'm going to be <laughs> honest. It's hard to stay positive when you have a biblical plague swarming outside. So true. Like, that's... That's frightening and disgusting all at the same time. Yes! Oh, I would. Ooh. But here's I what I thought think about too. That many ants. Talk about some food porn for ant eaters, huh? Man. Oh yeah. That's that's just like watching those like slow motion videos of like syrup pouring over pancakes. That's what an ant eaters watching. They're like, oh my god, look at them. They're everywhere. Mm. Mm. I'll get my weird and little... And they have wings. Get my weird little tongue out and just lick up a thousand of them in one lick. Mm. Yeah. Anyways, Dave, we're going to take a break. We are going to hear from our friends in Bella Vida. We are going to hear their new song, The Life, The Road, right here Ooh. on the Doc G Show. Let's jam a little.
And we are back here on the Doc G Show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Dave? Hmm. Guys, go check out the website, www.thedocgshow.com. Amen. Or just docgshow.com, whatever you're feeling like doing. Yep. From there... You can see our future guests. Mm-hmm. You can see our bios. You can mm-hmm. see just a bunch of cool stuff on the website. So mm-hmm. true. If you're listening to us from that way already, just go check out the podcast app on Apple Music, on Apple iTunes, mm-hmm. uh, iHeartRadio, mm-hmm. um, all the cool ones. You know, just really any streaming, we're on there. Dave, I, th- I think SoundCloud. that might have been your best promotion yet. Yes! I think that was pretty oh, good. One. Shucks. That was uh, pretty good. One. Oh shucks! Thank uh, you. Thank you. Uh, okay, let's let's uh, let's talk people that have been listening to us. Let's let's talk let's oh, talk some shout outs yeah. here. Shout uh, out some people. Uh, first, we're we're going across the pond. Um, we're going to Lagos, Nigeria. Shout out! Ooh, shout, out. shout out to Lagos. Yeah. That sounds- Sounds like a very cool place to visit, I think. Now we're going to shoot right back. We're going back over the pond. Bluefield, West Virginia. Shout out, Bluefield. Shout out. West Virginia. Mountain Mama. Mountain Mama. Mm. Take me home. Country roads. Uh, yes, sir. Lexington, South Carolina. You know Lexington, Dave? Shout out. Ooh, I've, I've driven past Lexington. Right beside Columbia. In fact, it's sort of part of Columbia. The city of Columbia is sort of laid over Lexington County. Um, uh. Yeah, I know. I know my deets. Uh, Passos. Pesos? Passos? Hmm. Brazil. Whichever you say. Ooh, it. I, I'm, I'm going to say Passos. Okay. It's got two S's. P-A-S-S-O-S. Shout out. So, yeah. Paso. Ooh. Pasos? Pasos? Pa- I didn't. Pasos, maybe? Let us know, Brazil. Tell us. Um. All right. We're going back up North America. Sacramento. Okay. Sacktown, California. Ooh, Sacktown. I don't know if we had Sacktown yet. Shout out to you guys. Yeah. They lay the Mac down. That's what Tupac said. That's what they do. Shout Dave, random Virginia, Ashburn. Shout out to Ashburn, Virginia. Another random Virginia city. We love it. Virginia's for Doc G lovers. You coined it. I like it. Amen. Uh, Now we're going to go up the coast. Milton, Vermont. Milton, Vermont. Milton. Shout out to a place my brother's been a couple times. I haven't. It seems a little cold, especially in winter. Oslo, Norway. Oslo. Shout out. He's been there a couple times? Oh, yeah. Several times on business. He's a businessman. Oh. Um, Shout out to Grand Haven, Michigan. Grand Haven. Shout out. That sounds like a fun place. Yeah. Shout out to Kosha, Brazil. Kosha. Oh, another Brazil city. Exactly. Brazilians. They love us. And, of course, shout out. We didn't forget you. Maputo, always with the listens. They're still listening. All, we thank you. Always, Arputo. We love you. Gosh, how many weeks in a row is 
They continue, man. I, we at least I, I love it. Without uh, without doubt, there's at least one family that is committed to the Doc G show in Maputo, and we love it. Um, I, I'm, I'm so love it, Dave. I'm excited about this. I'm pretty sure this is the first time I've seen this state, and this is the last one we've got on shoutouts. Mm-hmm. Greenville, Mississippi. Yeah, Mississippi. Had Mississippi? No, I don't know. No. no. Welcome to the party, wow. Mississippi. If you if you keep listening to the show, we'll we'll try to stop degrading your state as much as we do. We definitely will. Fair. We'll do it. <laughs> uh, thanks for all the listens, everybody. We appreciate it. Yeah, um, thanks, guys. Dave, this is gonna be the hardest. This is gonna be the hardest birthday suit. Are you ready? Mm. Okay. I think so. Okay. Um, born on well, it may not be hard. I don't know. Uh, born on July thirty first, nineteen sixty five, in Yate, Gloucestershire, England, or Gloucestershire, England. I don't know. Nope. Yate, England. I don't know any of them. So England. Okay. One name. Uh, our birthday student where started writing at a young age. She loved writing stories and actually telling them to her sister. She would write a story, tell it to her sister. She did well uh, in all of her literary classes. She ended up going to the University of Exeter and studying French and the classics. Afterwards, she moved to Portugal to teach English. She then moved back to England where she was jobless and actually suffering from depression. Hmm. But she still, during this time, tried to write as much as possible. In June 1997, she published her first book titled Harry Potter, The Philosopher's Stone. Oh, J.K. Rowling. Okay, I thought I thought you would know your Harry Potter, but Dude. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. I know my freaking Harry Potter. Okay, let me finish up real quick. Uh, the title of the seventh and final book was announced on December 21st, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows. It sold 11 million copies in the first day. Jeez. 11 wow. million copies. Wow. The Harry Potter series has been translated into 65 languages, and the global brand is worth an estimated 15 billion dollars she is by far the richest writer in the world not just author because obviously there are some people like warren buffett who have written books that aren't really Mm -hmm. writers she is the richest writer in the world uh and obviously made millions of people very happy with the harry potter series so true i grew up with harry potter i love it it was, I mean, I'll be honest, it, it wasn't super past my time, as you could see, 97, when she first uh, wrote it, so I, I was mm-hmm. I was 12, but um, yeah. still, Not like, I, I, I just sort of, I sort of missed it, and then, you know, because, like, a lot of people went back after the movies, they're like, now I'm going to read the books. I, you know, like, once I actually heard about it in the movies, I was like... I'm mm-hmm. 20, man. This is weird. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm not going to read a kid's book. Can't yeah. go back. So, you know, I mean, it seems good. Could I get into it? Yeah, I could get into it. But I just haven't I haven't dedicated myself. Maybe I should dedicate myself, you know? I mean, nah, you oh. don't need to. Okay. okay. Dedicate yourself to the show. So Regardless, true. J.K. Rollins, dedicate yourself to a happy birthday. Yes, indeed. Amen. Uh, Dave, I know it's one of your favorite segments. It, bring, mm-hmm. it brings hope to the listeners. Um, it does. 
It's 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 inspiring. It's it's time Puts to a tell warm fuzzy feeling in your heart. Yeah, and it's time to tell the listeners something that doesn't suck. Things that don't suck. A list of consisting of Paul Rudd and whatever the doc wants to say now. Uh Dave, you know something that really sucks really, really bad? Hmm. Stubbing your toe. Mm, yeah, that is. That's a bad one. That's really, that, that's an inconvenience right there. That's a fact. Um, yeah. <laughs> a threat to your uh, survival? Blindness. Jeez. That sucks. Oh. Really, really that does bad. Suck. You know and what? A major inconvenience. You know what doesn't suck? Not being blind. Not being blind. Yeah, exactly. Having vision. Um, you know who's a staunch believer of this? Dr. Sanduk Ruit. So true. Uh, so, mm. so Dr. Ruit is an ophthalmologist uh, who works in Nepal. Um, okay. And working in Nepal, he realized there were a lot of folks that were blind because of cataracts, which, which really sucks because it's treatable, yes! you know? Yeah. Um, but most of the folks in Nepal... They didn't get treated because they were either too far out in the middle of nowhere on top of a mountain, or they didn't mm-hmm. have the money to get treated. Okay. So, Dr. Ruit decided he's bringing the treatment to them. That's right. He's bringing the treatment to them. Say what? So, for over the last decade, he has dedicated himself to treating these people. Dr. Ruit is the executive director of the Tilganja Institute of Ophthalmology. He has now been trekking up into the mountains of Nepal with his surgical equipment, going for seven days at a time and operating on as many people as possible. Dr. Ruit now has personally responsible for restoring 130,000 people's vision. Wait, what? 130,000 people. Holy sh**. Yeah, yeah. That's so many. Yeah, yeah, think about that. That New Haven, Connecticut, if every person, every single person went blind in New Haven, Connecticut, don't worry, guys, I don't actually wish that on you. But if they did, Dr. Ruit came in and fixed all of their blindness. That would be the same amount of people. Jeez. That's That's the same. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, not uh, and not to be like, uh, I don't know what the word is, but I started thinking. I was like, man, that's got to cover him for a lot of birthday presents for those people that he cured their blindness for. Hmm. Like, yeah, you're like, saves him a lot of money. He's like, what's that? I didn't get <laughs> you a birthday really. present. Yeah, I'm really sorry about that. Hey, do you remember that time I hiked through the biggest mountains on Earth with my surgery gear and gave you the gift of sight? Mm. Does that make you happy, or would you rather be blind with a birthday cake? Yeah, I thought so. Dr. Ruit. Dr. Ruit, man. Dr. Ruit. Dude. Totally. That does not suck Totally not sucking. Dr. Sanduke Ruit. Nice job. Well done. Dave, we're going to be right back. With none other than Ryan Clark, right here on the Doc G Show. Stay tuned, guys. Hey, what's up? This Rock Montana. This Mucho Yellow. And it's Rockin' Yellow. And you're listening to Doc G Show from 803 to 904, the best show on the radio. You dig?
Welcome back to the Doc G Show. With me today is an LSU alum, SEC champion, pro bowler, Super Bowl champion, director of football operations at Traction Sports Performance, and ESPN analyst, Mr. Ryan Clark. Ryan, how's it going? It's going well, man. Uh, The summer's coming to an end, so it's time to get back uh, to doing some real work and, you know, kind of talking about what's going to go on this season in 2019. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, first off, I got to ask, uh, how's everything in the uh, in the town of Baton Rouge after uh, Hurricane Barry? Is everything okay? Hmm. You know, it's, it's okay. Luckily, you know, we, we really didn't get hit directly. Uh, there wasn't as much flooding as many people thought. You know, just a couple of weeks before, we had some rain yeah. uh, where there was some flooding. So we really couldn't take any more enough. You know, people here are used to it, yeah. but it, it, it's still a panic when it happened just because everybody knows of some of the tragedies and catastrophes yeah. that we had. So we were really blessed in this one. Yeah, yeah. I, I was hoping so. It seemed like, uh, you know, there was a big, big worry. And then, you know, afterwards, it was just some, some you know, issues, some minor issues, some damages, some some minor, less, less major flooding than before. Yeah. Um, and my wife always says she hopes it's that we made a big to-do about nothing. She's like, I hope we went to the store and bought all these things. I hope we did all this stuff that we never have to use. So yeah, true. Yeah, well, definitely better safe than sorry, just to make sure anyways. Um, Ryan, uh, speaking of that, you're a family man. So let's, let's start with uh, family first. Big news, your son, Jordan Clark, uh, playing at Arizona State next season. Wait, what? Um... What's it been like watching your son to get to this point, uh, starting his uh, college you know, it, career? It, it, it's been a cool deal for me. I will say it's obviously more nerve-wracking to watch your son play football than it is to play football yourself. <laughs> and so, um, you know, my, my, my worst night of the week has now moved from Friday to Saturday because <laughs> uh, I, I can't eat before the game and I'm nervous the whole time, but when he was in about the eighth grade, you know, he came to me and he was like, well, you know, Dad, I think I want to play a sport in college. At the time, he loved soccer and basketball. Yeah. So I really wanted him to stick with soccer because I thought it was his best sport. Yeah. And I was like, hey, Jordan, your dad's only 5'11". It's not going to be basketball. <laughs> so we kind of settled, settled in on football. And at the time, he wanted to play receiver because he loved Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I, I watch you catch footballs. I don't know. If you necessarily got the one hand grabbing, you like that all the time. And so he just, you know, he put in the work at the position. He played with some great teammates at University Lab. They haven't lost a game in two years. So I don't know how these guys are going to react when they lose the game. But it, it was really fun to watch him have that experience, to watch him get to be so close to so many good kids and good young men who are also going on to do, you know, really good things on the, the D1 level. And also we have. He had a teammate, man, go to the Naval Academy. He also had another teammate uh, go to the Air Force. And if you've ever been around a graduation when a kid goes to the Air Force, there's, they actually send someone there to present to him and to accept him. His name was Mark Coppola. So it wasn't only just watching my son get to this position and accomplish these things. It was getting to watch him and his friends do all of it together. So it was a really cool deal. Very nice. Very, well, I noticed, so I was, you know, looking at his, his uh, offers and, and uh, leading up to going to Arizona State. I noticed he had some some big-time Ivy League schools that gave him offers, uh, Yale and Harvard. What? And, uh, I mean, you you got you to gotta be pretty good uh, grade-wise as well. <laughs> 
to to get offers from them. That's impressive, man. Yeah, that that was probably the most excited I've ever been talking to a coach. <laughs> and uh, you know, when we talked to the recruiter from Yale, and it, and it was one of those things. You know, I told him, I told him it's his decision to make, and you know that was that was for for me as a parent. I wanted him to go to a place that he picked. And if things get tough, if things get a little hard, he can know that he made that decision and the reasons why. But as a as a father, to you know know that he had that opportunity, I was extremely excited for him. And it also to me said a lot about uh, the the smarts and the brains he he gained from having his mother's genetics. <laughs> and, uh, that he, that he would have that opportunity. Yeah, well, and so I noticed he also he he took a visit to LSU. Uh, were you were you secretly wanting him to to go to LSU, mm. or were you afraid to influence yeah. him too much? Well, I definitely didn't want to influence him there, and you know, and I was honest with Jordan. You know, he's Jordan's a little bit taller than five ten, and I said, look, you want to look around the room, and you look at the schools and and see if. You know, the starting corners and the guys that play your position look like you. You know, Mississippi yeah. State for a little while was a front runner as well. And they look at Jamal Peters, who is now uh, in the NFL, and Cam Dantzler, who is up for the Thorpe Award this year. Both of those guys were 6'2". Yeah. And so, you know, when it just came came down to it, um, Arizona State, you know, I felt like it was a good place for him. And when you meet Herman Edwards and you sit in front of Herman Edwards and he offers you a scholarship, yeah, I think it's just kind of hard to say no. <laughs> uh, and the one, and the one thing about Jordan is he didn't grow up in Baton Rouge. Yeah, you know, a lot of kids here they've only seen LSU. LSU is all they know. Yeah, and so he kind of had to understand that there were other places that played football. Even if I believe LSU is the best place to play football in the world, yeah, um, there were other places for him, and I think he made a great decision for himself. Definitely, it's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be exciting watching him. I'm uh, I'm excited, especially with Herm at the helm. It's gonna be a uh, it's gonna be exciting year for sure. Yes! Um, well, speaking of Arizona, you just finished uh, the DB Precision Camp earlier this month. Uh, tell the listeners uh, a little bit about uh, DB Precision, what what that is, uh, and how it got started. Well, for for me, um, I worked with Max Willie, who actually is the CEO of Traction Sports Performing. He's the founder. And uh, he reached out to me kind of late in my career and asked would I ever get into training. And so I was like, yeah, I would love to. I've always wanted to coach. And so um, this was kind of my way to, to do it. Yeah. Towards the end of my career, when I knew I was getting old, like younger players, TJ Wards, Brandon Merriweather, Rocky L. Bush, they would, you know, see me at their games and ask me where I train and reach out to me. So I started kind of training with those guys and invited them out for a week where I was in Arizona. And it kind of lit the flame that, you know, I, that would be something I would want to do. Um, it's obviously and honestly grown to a point now that I never thought, you know, I got opportunities. Obviously, I trained Landon Collins for a long time and Robert Alford. I, you know, DJ Swearinger came out in Arizona. So it was kind of one of those things. It was twofold for me. Yeah. Um, I got to see my son, son every day for two weeks uh, and he's been gone. Um, but also we got to be in a place that never rained. Yeah. <laughs> and it gave me an opportunity to, you know, to work with these guys. And I do it a little different. You know, it's not a an exos or one of these places where it's just training, where it's just a, a weight room or it's just running. Yeah. You know, uh, I want to coach. I want to pass down knowledge. Uh, I want to watch film and kind of have guys show me how 
they see the game. So it's a learning experience for me as well. I think the other plus of it is, is, you know, this summer I got an inside view of 16 NFL locker rooms Yeah, because I train guys that play on different teams. And so it kind of ties in with doing TV, uh, with mentoring, with coaching, with training. Yeah, All those things work together. So it's been an awesome kind of marriage of my two jobs. Very nice. Very well. So like you said, DB Precision is part of Traction Sports Performance. And uh, you've got some, some fantastic coaches there, fantastic trainers. Uh it does, does it do every sport? Does uh yeah traction we sports do. performance? Yeah, so so every we, sport we, we baseball. Do. And that's what's, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Ryan Terrio, who, you know, won two World Series championships. Yeah. Uh he's a partner as well. And we have one of, you know, the best travel baseball systems and baseball programs in the South. And it's almost it's crazy to me because I didn't grow up with baseball to see how much time these kids have to put into mm-hmm. it, to, to watch them in the batting cages, to watch the practices, to see how much they travel and play. And then you think about, you know, then, then when you watch a guy get 400-something million like Mike Charles, you, you kind of go, well, shoot, he's been working for it since he was four. Yeah. You know, and so that's, a, that's what's been the cool deal about being in a place that does all sports, that trains adults, that trains young kids, you kind of get to see outside of your little prism of football that you've always seen training one way and get to know, you know, other sports and other people who are trying to stay healthy in their own right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, uh, speaking of staying healthy, you, you seem in very good shape still. Uh, do you get out there at Traction Sports, show them a thing or two, maybe a little Danny <laughs> ball? I do. Hmm. Well, well, I, I definitely, I definitely, uh, I call myself the Kobe of Danny Ball. <laughs> Kobe was my favorite was my favorite basketball player. But right now I'm like the Kobe that wore, wore 24 after hurting his Achilles. Oh, and so uh, <laughs> you know, but I definitely do get out there. And one thing I make sure I do is stay in shape because when you're running drills with these guys and you're trying to give them a look, you have to be able to move around. Yeah. And the thing for me is I don't get a rep off. Yeah. I don't get to give a guy a look and then wait three reps and go again, you know, so I'm right back up. Yeah. And it keeps you young. You know, you enjoy it. Uh, obviously, they rag me because I'm the old dude. Girl, come on. You know, uh, I often point out to them, though, that many times four of them are standing together and they don't have as many years combined in the league as I had. <laughs> and so, uh, <laughs> you know, so it's a, it's a little bit of, of fun, but also it's awesome that I know I have a reason every day to wake up, stay in shape, uh, just so I can be my best for those dudes. Yeah. Well, it was, it was speaking of shape, uh, you've got a 5K to get in shape for on uh, August 24th in Baton Rouge. Uh, Ryan's run, uh, which is for sickle cell. And, um, yes, sir. Which some of the listeners, I don't, I don't know if all the listeners know, but you, you almost died from complications of sickle cell because of a spleen infarction. Back in uh, mm-hmm. 2007, uh, so I'm guessing you know this is. Did that propel you that instance to you know make a difference like this run and other things that you've done for sickle cell? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, for me, it, it was dealing with that, and I, um, honestly, not many people know this. After the Super Bowl the next year, my sister-in-law passed from mm. sickle cell complications, mm. and so. And so, you know, after that, just 
knowing and seeing what people deal with week in and week out and having dealt with it just one time myself understood that awareness needs to be raised and I think sometimes certain causes just need a face just need somebody who's willing to step out and say that you know certain people or are dealing with things that we may not understand fully that we may not be able to fully grasp what they're going through yeah um, but they need help and it, it needs to be attention needs to be brought I've been doing this ever since I retired um it's always a great time it's probably different than most runs you know because most runs don't serve jambalaya at them nope. <laughs> but that's that's Louisiana <laughs> That's Louisiana, and that's what we do. And honestly, it's just a time for us to get together and celebrate every day and continue to do their best to raise awareness for it. Yeah, definitely. De- well, did, before before you had that spleen infarction, did you you know realize how serious it was before that point? Hmm. You know, I really didn't. Honestly, when you know my, my parents had already told me uh, that I carried the trait, LSU, during the blood test, they let me know. And NFL, they also let me know. But when people let you know you have the sickle cell trait, yeah. they kind of just let you know in passing. Yeah. It's almost like, oh, and oh, yeah, when we did your blood test, you had the trait. Yeah. And so this was kind of, you know, I made a joke. and was talking to a kid about it at Arizona State, you know, and he didn't really know who I was. I could tell or kind of know my story. Yeah. And, um, you know, we were talking about it. I said, man, that's a big deal. And I was like, and he started laughing. I said, and the guy, the trainer was like, you should listen to him. I said, yeah, because I'm actually the reason it's a big deal. Yeah. Um, you know, just just telling them that, you know, you have to pay attention and you have to know. And it's it, for me, it wasn't a big deal that I had the trait until it became a big deal. Yeah. And so I, I kind of want to get the awareness out for other people that they should be paying attention to how they feel, how they hydrate, what's going on with them as they compete. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, uh, real quick on the topic of Baton Rouge, uh, I ask uh, this all my guests and their hometowns. Um, if I'm going to Baton Rouge uh, and I need mm-hmm. a place to eat, uh, and I'm, I've got like one night there, where are you going to tell me that I need to go eat? Hmm. You need to go to Racino's. Racino's. All right. Rufino. Uh, now, is, I'm, I'm guessing I'm going to go out on a limb and say, is that is that Cajun? It is, and, but it's, it's a cool twist. It's actually Creole Italian. Say what? Oh, okay. Um, Ooh, that's, that's, yeah, that's Ruffin, he's, he's a, it's nice. It's really good. He's a, a former LSU Tiger, played O-line for the Tigers, and uh, he went into business for himself afterwards when Kirk Herb Street or any of these people come to town yeah you know that's where they go they go uh they go to Rafino's. they pile in if you go in there's all kind of famous people on the wall and different things like that where they they show you that when when you're in town this is the place to go nice well you i mean you can trust an o-line's uh, eating abilities and taste. Yeah. That's for sure. Absolutely. They, they, Absolutely. They know the best about eating, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> so you retired uh, from the NFL in 2015, and you were already interning with ESPN at that time. Um, and you, mm-hmm. you started working at ESPN like day one of your NFL retirement. It was like, okay, I'm retired, and NFL con- or ESPN contract now. <laughs> um, 
had you been looking at this for a while, I'm guessing you had like, okay, this is going to be my, uh, because your, your degree's in mass communication. So was this the idea sort of almost from day one in the NFL? Like after I finish, I'm going into no. communications. Honestly, day one in the NFL, I was going to be coaching because I was never supposed to play 13 years. <laughs> um, I was a mass comm major, but it was in sports information. I actually wanted to be a sports information director. Oh, okay. uh, Michael Barnett. Michael Barnett, who was the sports information director at LSU, you know, I, we, we got close because he would be around all the time and he would come get me after the games and just do different things that I felt like really helped me develop as a young man yeah. with putting me in front of the camera when we lost games. So that, that was the job I, I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, I started doing first take and did some different things and it kind of started rolling. Where I was like, maybe this is a job I can have. People would tell me I had done well. And so I interned there. And then after interning, I actually worked for ESPN for two years while I played. Yeah. Um, I had a 40-day contract while I worked in the offseason. I came up on my bye week. And so it was a natural transition that once I retired, I, I got an opportunity to work there, and it was a great place for me. Very nice. Well, so since you've been working at ESPN, I got to ask, who who's the favorite ESPN employee to work with? Who do you really get excited to work with? Hmm. You know, I will be honest. I haven't got an opportunity to work with these two guys much, but obviously Marcus Spears, Booger McFall, and my LSU uh, alum. Yes. I love working with them. Yes. A guy I've developed a great rapport with, and maybe it was because one, they stuck us on Mondays together, or, you know, he was also working in Washington out there as Lewis Riddick. Yes. Um, we are very different personalities, but we both love ball a ton. That's a fact. Yeah. And whereas Lewis is, you know, serious about everything, I kind of like to have fun with it. So, you know, he makes me step up my game in the way that I analyze football. Yeah. And in turn, I let him have a little fun and actually crack a smile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's hard to get him to smile. That's for sure. Yeah, he he comes on all business. That's definitely yes! definitely a case. Uh, has yes, sir. anybody on ESPN so far working there uh, came on set so far, and you've been like starstruck that you saw them and you were like, "What? Who's going to be on today?" Has there been anybody that you just like you weren't ready for another sport or an, yeah. uh, an actor? Yeah. No, I walked into I walked into the green room one time into the makeup room and Layla Ali was there. Sweet. And you know I'm not sure if you've ever seen her, but she's a tall woman, a very huge presence. Oh yeah. Uh, she was also she was on first take that day. She was just so smart, so knowledgeable, and it was like watching somebody who not only had a father who was an all-time great, yeah. but also represented herself as this, you know, and you saw she grew up that way. Yeah. She, you saw that she, she grew up carrying herself in a way that was almost regal. And so that, like, that was crazy to me. I met Kevin Costner. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, man, you know, you standing in front of this dude, like, you dude dance with wolves. You know <laughs> what I mean? And so, Say what? And, you know, so... Other than Layla Ali, it wasn't necessarily an athlete yeah. that I got to meet. But when you got an opportunity to meet Kevin Costner, you think about some of the great movies yeah. uh, that he's been in. 
and some of the work that he's done. You know, I'm like, man, this the dude that carried Whitney Houston away in bodyguard <laughs> when things were going bad. Girl, come on. <laughs> you know, so it's pretty awesome. Very impressive. Well, uh, I, you got to so so one of the shows that you're on a lot is Get Up. Uh, you gotta you gotta explain to me the video I saw on your Instagram about four months ago. You were talking to Damon Jones about him being not being a lockdown defender in the NBA. What what was going on there? What started that? So so here's the thing. You know, basketball players think they're like the best athletes in the world because <laughs> they get an opportunity to run and jump and dunk because they get to wear shorts and you know. Blam. I was trying to explain to him that everybody plays basketball. Yeah. You know, like I. Everybody doesn't go hit baseballs, right? It's a skill that you have to have. Not everybody goes to play football. There's a certain level of toughness that people have to do that. But, like, basketball is a recreational sport. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. so I was, uh, you know, high school, we won a state championship. I was a point guard player since I was a little kid. And I know that I can't play in the NBA. Like, I get that. Yeah. But Damon was telling me that I couldn't score a bucket on him. <laughs> and, and what upset me is, Damon Jones was never a defender. Nope. Yeah. And I was trying to explain that, like, yes, I get it. You're 6'5". You're a professional basketball player, a former player. You can beat me in the game of one-on-one. Yeah. I was like, but how are you going to stay in front of me? And it's not like Damon works at Traction Sports Performance and he works out. Nope. He's got, he's blown up. <laughs> and so it really frustrated me then that he, I was like, I can't take a layup. Like, I just couldn't understand how he couldn't get it through his head that I was still a professional athlete and I can make a layup. And it just drove me nuts. He was and still so thinking was it was like 90. Was he was still thinking it was like 98. He was he was still in that shape, basically. That's what he was thinking in his head. Uh, my favorite part about that whole video is when it pans over to Greeny at the very end, pans over to Mike Greenberg, and he's just staring into the distance like he just saw a violent crime. What? And he's not whether sh- uh, he's not sure whether he should report it or not. He's just like, hmm. Uh. <laughs> well, if you if you know Greeny, Greeny's about business. Like he loves that fun stuff, but he had to do a bump for the, the next segment. And when yeah. Greeny needs to do a bump, you let Greeny do his work. <laughs> he's just like, uh, you guys are. You need to, you, we need to move on. We need to, but he, he saw how like intense you were and it was just him looking like, okay, where, where am I going to jump in here? Um, so before we move on to football real quick, I wanted to ask because, you know, you talk about all sports on get up and you were talking about how you like basketball. Uh, what, what do you think about this mix, mix them up free agency madness we have in the NBA? Uh, what team are you most excited about watching this upcoming season with all the changes that happen? You know, I'm excited about watching the Lakers, and I know that's the easy answer. Yeah. Right? But but when there's a guy on your team that's in the conversation for greatest ever, whether he puts himself in that conversation or you do, and you get probably, when you look at big men in the league, I think the most versatile, I think the most talented, even more than Joel and B is Anthony Davis. Mm. This is a guy who is being talked about as moving into the conversation as maybe the best player in the world yeah. coming into last year with LeBron on the decline. And now those two dudes are on the same team. Yeah. And by the way, they picked up guys and built a supporting cast that if you have two studs like that, have an opportunity 
you play and have meaningful minutes that get you winning plays at the end of the game, I think that team's going to be tough to beat. And they're talking about adding Andre Iguodala. So true. And, yeah. I, and my favorite basketball player in the world is Russell Westbrook, right? And and I understand that Russell Westbrook isn't skilled like Stephen Curry or a Kyrie Irving. And, like, those are, like, the pretty basketball players. Yeah. I like him because I believe Russell Westbrook could have played football. I was about to say. Not I, necessarily from a, a physical standpoint, but from a mentality standpoint. I was about to say, I feel like he plays basketball like a defensive back. Like he just 100%. angry. <laughs> he just, 100%. And so I can't think about him in D'Antoni's system yeah. where guys get to dominate the ball and dribble around. They're 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 not going to win a championship. Let's just get that out right now. <laughs> they're not, they're not going to win a championship. Nope. But how fun are the Houston Rockets going to be to watch? Uh, yeah. There's going to be balls flying everywhere. People are going to dribble the ball for 20 seconds straight. <laughs> it's going to be pure pandemonium. In Houston. Yes! I definitely say it's always fun. It's always fun to watch Russ. That's for sure. If he, if he Especially when somebody ticks him off. If he's mad... Absolutely. Watch out. Absolutely. Watch out. Well, since you're on the show, we, we got to talk a little NFL. Yes! Uh, so let, let's go a, AFC first. Uh, since we're a Jacksonville-based show, I've got to ask about the Jaguars. Uh, Nick Foles, is he going to save the Jags? Is this going to be uh, 2017 or is this going to be 2018 uh, for the new uh, for the Jags? Hmm. You know what? I, I don't think it'll be either of those years just because – you look at that, that that defense from two years ago, the dominance that, that they they displayed. I don't know if they get back to that. Yeah. Um, and what you do have to also think was that was more running game. But I think the team is going to be somewhere in between, though. Okay. They're going to be much better than they were last year. Yeah. Uh, I believe Leonard Fournette come back with a new uh, a new focus, right? If you watch the way he's trained the offseason, I know uh, personally who, the guy who's trained him, he's really been focused. He went to Wyoming for a little bit work with some strength coaches that were formerly at LSU. Mm-hmm. That's a different approach than Leonard Fournette's had. Yeah. And he needs to get back to that downhill running. Nick Foles, Nick Foles won't be the 27 touchdown, like one or two pick guy he was a few years ago with Chip Kelly. Yeah. Uh, but what we've seen is that he's a winner. He's a guy who galvanizes a locker room. Yeah. And I think that's going to be more so addition by subtraction. The fact that Blake Bortles just isn't there. So true. And, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily, I don't need to be offensive. Yeah. But you got the feeling that they felt like he couldn't win them a game. Yeah. Yeah. They and, they, and they, that, they stuck up for him, though. I'll give them that. They, yeah. they always stuck up for him, and I was impressed by that. Yeah, but, you know, once it gets to that point, and, and once that happens, it's it, it's really tough to win football games. True, true. Well, next AFC question: Tom Brady is is he just going to play till he's seventy five? When when are we going to see the decrease in the Patriots and the Tom Brady way? Hmm. I, I I used to say it was coming. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> like Tom Brady, Tom Brady is getting to a point where he's defying all physics. He's devi- defying science farther time yeah and is finally getting his butt kicked yeah um but if you look at the patriots right there's no grunt uh there's a julian edelman injury right now that, that team is about bill belichick that yeah. team is about bill belichick being able to reinvent who they are on both sides of the ball not only year to year but week to week yes! yeah and so 
you know, it's a team that I, as a Steeler, always want to count out because I'm tired of seeing them win and we could never beat them. <laughs> uh, but if you look at if you look at the AFC, you know, they're going to be right there with, you know, with the Kansas City Chiefs, with whoever comes out of the AFC North, which is going to be a, a real fight now that the Cleveland Browns are an actual team. The Cleveland Browns actually have expectations. Yeah. The Pittsburgh Steelers lose two huge pieces, or at least one that played last year. So I think the New England Patriots are going to be right there with the, um, in the end with an opportunity to represent the AFC. Is going to be, can you keep Tom Brady healthy? which he has been all for one year. And when he is, at the end of the year, who's been a better, more clutch quarterback than Tom Brady has. Yeah, well, as listeners know, uh, Tom Brady won me over with his pajamas. That's a fact. I got some Tom Brady pajamas, and I think that's what's making him superhuman. They are... They are very comfortable pajamas. They may be a little overpriced. Did Tom, Tom Brady send you those pajamas, or did you buy them? Oh, I bought them. I bought them. They're overpriced. Of course, Tom <laughs> Brady wouldn't send me those pajamas. He did reject me for the show, though. So that's, you know, that's close. I asked him to come on the show, and he was like, pass. It was a very nice pass, yes! but pass, you know? It was it was expected out of Tom Brady. Uh, you you meant it was a nice pass. Yeah, exactly. That's what I told. That's what I told the listeners. I was like, he was very his his agent was very cordial. Like, yeah, no, but good luck on your show. And I was like, oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Cleveland, you mentioned them. They got Baker Mayfield. They've got OBJ. They've got Jarvis Landry. Uh, can they be? The team coming out of the AFC North. You know, when, when you look at it, the AFC North is up for grabs. Yeah. Right? This team offensively is as talented as any team in the NFL. Um, say what? You maybe say the Kansas City Chiefs, the Los Angeles Rams are more talented offensively because they probably have two quarterbacks you've seen do it longer and, and a little bit better than Baker Mayfield has. But Odell Beckham Jr. and, and Joe Poo. Jarvis Landry, Chubb in the backfield, Kareem Hunt comes back this season. I mean, that sounds like a Pro Bowl roster more so than the roster of the Cleveland Browns. That's yeah. um, it's going to be about this defense. Can Steve Wilkes, can you know, can Joe Witt Jr., who's the passing game coordinator, can we? Can they get this team who's now you know kind of rebuilding from a defensive standpoint to go out? You get Olivier Vernon, you have Sheldon Richardson, you have Preston Mark at linebacker. I believe this team is going to be able to score points. Score points. Freddie Kitchen shows that he can handle the play calling and he can handle developing the offense. He showed that last year down the stretch. But will this team be able to stop people and will they have the chemistry needed? Will there be enough football to go around to make sure that everybody on this offense is happy and also productive? But if that can happen, if they can shore up some of those things defensively, if the chemistry in the locker room is correct, this is going to be a scary team to defend and strategize against from a defensive standpoint. Well, on the other side there, we've got your Steelers. Uh, What do you see them doing next season? You mentioned, obviously, they had some huge changes. Um, What's their ceiling this this season? Hmm. Well, I think anytime you have a guy like Ben Roethlisberger, who really statistically had probably his best year as a professional um, last year, even with some of the inner turmoil you had with Antonio Brown. I think you feel like you have a chance. Obviously, James Conner and Samuels are good at the running back position. Can Juju Smith-Schuster step in and be that number one receiver without Antonio Brown 
attracting the coverage. And so those are different things that have to work on offense. But I believe the offense is going to be fine. They're going to score points. Defensively, this team has to get back to what it's been like to be a part of Steeler Nation. Yeah. What it was like in the 70s, what it was like in the mid 2000s yeah. when this team was winning Super Bowls, it was built on defense. They have some young guys in the secondary who now have another year under their belt, especially at the safety position with Edmonds and Davis. I think up front, they are sturdy. You go out and you get Devin Bush, you get a playmaker. You get a guy, and listen, this guy hates grass. You saw what he did to the grass at Michigan State. So what is he going to do? What is he going to do when he's faced with people or other players in the AFC North? Yeah. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are the sleeper team, nice. and not because people are counting them out, just because people aren't expecting them to be what they normally are and what they have been in throughout history. Yeah. And I believe they have an opportunity to get back to that. Nice. Well, real quick, one one other Steelers question. My friend, former co-host of this show, huge Steelers fan, Eric Cirillo, he uh, he texted me when, when I told him you were going to be on the show, and he was like, oh, you got to ask him this. Uh, he wanted to know the difference between playing for Bill Cowher and Mike Tomlin. Hmm. Well, you know, like, it will be hard. I got the Bill Cowher that knew he wasn't coaching anymore. Oh, okay. You know, uh, I can be honest. You can, you can tell... I'm not saying he wasn't in it, yeah. but it wasn't the Bill Cowher that I'd seen from afar. Yeah. And maybe this is who he always was. Uh, Coach Cowher was the ultimate team commander, though. When Coach Cowher stood in front of that room, you listen. And whether it was because you knew of his history, you knew of his resume, or because you just understood the validity of his words, every time he got in front of that room and spoke, all ears were on him, all eyes were fixed. Yeah. And it's crazy. Coach Tomlin's kind of the exact same way. Um, I'll be honest, when, when he walked in, he was kind of, you know, a little bit more forceful than Bill was. He didn't understand the, the veteran leadership in the room. Yeah. And so we had to kind of learn each other. Uh, but once he did that, like, it was amazing to play for him. I would say that both are player coaches. Um, just two coaches that coached in different eras. Yeah. And I believe Coach Tomlin's going Tomlin's to tighten the reins a little bit understanding that you can allow these guys to be individuals but you also have to make sure it's a team first uh locker room and that's the way you win <laughs> nice nice well right now all the way out here at the end of july who's your pick to come out of the afc who who if you had to place money on it who would you say is probably coming out of the afc you know if i had to place money on it i would go with the kansas city chiefs nice. and i know that i know that's the easy kind of easy thing to say right now um, but looking at this team and what they can do offensively, you add Steve Spagnola, and then let's be honest, it, it wasn't the fault of the offense that this team that represents the AFC in the Super Bowl. Yeah, um, this team they, they couldn't stop people. They didn't make adjustments. They didn't change. They didn't change throughout the season or throughout games. Uh, you add Tyron Matthew, who's to me one of the best playmakers, one of the best chess pieces in the secondary in the NFL, yes! and so this team could just get some stops. Obviously, they're going to score a ton of points. If they can just get some stops, be respectable, make teams work to score, this team should be representing the AFC in the Super Bowl. Nice. Well, in 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 uh, lieu of how much time we have, I'm going to just skip forward as far as NFC, and I'm going to streamline it. Uh, who do you see as the best team in the NFC? If you have to put money on it, who do you see coming out of the NFC? Hmm. Like, see, like to, to me, this is the this is the real question. I'll be honest. When I look at these teams, you know, you go back, you think of the 
the Los Angeles Rams, look at the Chicago Bears and, and the jump that they made this year in the New Orleans Saints. Yep. Not only being one play away, being one bad call away. Yeah. Um if I if I had to if I had to pick a team right now, yeah. I would go with the New Orleans Saints just because I think coming off of the year they had to me, they were the best team in the AFC the last two years. Yeah. So you you think and, you think that uh, bad call's gonna motivate them instead of sort you know, of depressing? I, I, I don't necessarily. I, I'm not, I don't necessarily even think it's the bad call. I think it's Drew Brees coming down to the end of his line. Michael Thomas probably being, um, uh, not probably uh, being a top three, top five wide receiver. Alvin Kamara now getting what I would think would be a, a, a more abundant share of the load. You had Latavius Murray, who you know, who will be a good number two back, but now it will be the Alvin Kamara show, the versatility he adds to that offense, and the defense and the young secondary that we watched toward the end of the season last year really give people fits with Eli Apple coming along. And so for me, this is just still a team uh, that has an opportunity. It's still a team that we know is coming down, at least to me, the end of their Super Bowl window and understanding that. I believe they'll put all effort into making sure they're the team that has an opportunity to hoist the sticky Lombardi late in the season. Nice, nice. Okay, so I'm putting it down for the late July picks for Ryan Clark. Kansas, <laughs> Kansas City versus New Orleans. We'll see how we adjust throughout the uh, throughout the season, man. Uh, Ryan, yes, well, thank you so much. Yeah, we are up against a break, man, but I want to thank you for taking the time to coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Listeners, you can check him out at ESPN or on Instagram at RealRClark or on Twitter at RealClark25. We will be right back here on the Doc G Show. Every time 
And we are back here on the Doc G Show. My goodness, Ryan Clark. Ryan Clark, ESPN analyst. And before or after that interview, you heard Fantastic Jam from Bella Vita. That was fading away right there. That's what brought us into that. That's right. Uh, Good jam by Bella Vita, but also Ryan Clark. What an amazing job, man. You, You heard it, Dave. Kansas City. New Orleans Saints Chiefs. Write it down. We gotta Saints find a, a gam. We gotta find a gambling site or something, and you know, bookie, and put our uh, 
put them in there, you know? So well, he, true. he said the Jaguars are going to have a season between 17 and 18. What do you think? How do you feel about that? Can you live with that? Hmm. You know, I, I think that's a, the safe bet. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I, well, I definitely think we'll be better than with Blake Bortles. It just depends, you know, how good does the other, you know, 21 starters how good do they want to play well i I, to, uh, I told i told ryan you heard me say you know i mean i was always impressed with how the jaguars they always had his back yes! blake bortles oh, it didn't yeah. matter you know yeah. they were uh, like he was you know the, he's their our quarterback. quarterback and i was like yep. that's impressive because the other teams they'd throw him under the bus i know they'd throw him under the bus oh yeah for sure it was sure. impre- I, I give them, I give them mad, mad props, Say what? and I'm sure they're appreciative of mad props from Doc G. Nope, no doubt. Nope. Uh, oh, yeah. How about Rafinos, man? Dude, I'll be- I mean, that's the spot. That's we got. We are. I mean, we're putting it on the list, and and we're gonna. Ch- I mean, when we go, we're 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 gonna be eating good. I can tell. So after we we put on the jam from Bella Vita, I googled hmm. it, and I thought yeah. he was saying Racinos with a C, and I googled it. It's Rafinos with an F. It's R U F F I N O S. But it's interesting it up, too, folks. right? Rafinos. Uh, was was created uh, was made by a dude named TJ, but then it was bought by a guy. Th- how weird is this? Uh, named Ruffin. Wait, what? Ruffin Rodrigue. Ruffin, and it's Rafino's. Mm. Come on, it's perfect. It's his restaurant, you man. You can't make that up. Can't make it up. Dave, it's gonna take us eight hours to drive to Rafino's. You in? Dude, it'll be worth it. Let's go. It will be worth it, man. Italian Creole. Very exciting. Okay. Last birthday suit. Are you ready? Give it to me. Born on July 31st, 1988 in Somerville, South Carolina. I've hit Somerville. Nice place. Um, Our birthday suit wear liked lots of sports growing up. In fact, Mm -hmm. when he was in elementary school, he was on Mm -hmm. the school's juggling team. Wait, what? What? Ooh. I didn't. My school. That guy's got skill. My school definitely didn't have a juggling team, Dave. I don't. Neither did mine. I don't know, man. In high school, our birthday suit wearer moved on to football, basketball, and track. In 2008, Mm -hmm. coming out of high school, he was listed as the number one receiver in the country. He chose to go to the University of Georgia. He played three seasons with the Bulldogs. A- hmm? AJ Green. AJ Green is correct. Yes. Oh. Declaring for the NFL draft in 2011. Our birthday suit wearer was drafted fourth overall by the Cincinnati Bengals. He has been with the Bengals for the last nine seasons. He is a seven-time Pro Bowler, amounting nearly. A thousand yards every season. AJ Green. Yes, indeed. He's a baller, man. He's a baller. He just needs a guy to throw him the ball. He's 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 now headlong into the thirties. He's thirty one. Wow. He's thirty one. I didn't know he was that old, actually. Be honest. I thought he was still in his twenties. I know it. It doesn't seem like it, man. Doesn't seem like it. But then you forget in football, they got to go three years. Got to go three years in in college. You forget that. That's a fact. Yep. Nonetheless, happy birthday to our man, A.J. Green. Party it up. Well, he's in training camp now, so don't... Oh, wait, no. A.J. Green just rolled his ankle, didn't hmm. he? I don't know. Did he? Oh, man. I he might be. happened to... He might be icing his ankle then. 
He might be icing mm. his ankle. He might not have to worry about camp because he can't play. So if he is, true that he can he can party it up. Uh, Dave, my goodness, the shells we've got them. They're coming up. My yeah, goodness. Collective Soul, Dave. Collective Soul. I brought up Collective Soul a lot. What a band, man. So uh, Platinum albums, awesome jams like like Shine, December, Gel. I mean, so many good songs. Uh, Then we've got Blacktop Mojo coming on the show. Blacktop Mojo. Um, I didn't know this. I was checking it out. I mean, I knew they made the song. They they redid uh, Aerosmith's Dream On, right? That's probably one of their most famous songs. It's already got like 14 million views on YouTube. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Yeah. I got to check it out. They're from Palestine, Texas, Dave. And they live in the mm. Mojo Mansion. Sweet. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, they live together, all five of them, in the Mojo Mansion. I like it, man. I like it. I'm very excited about them that. coming on. Uh, we've also, the week after that, we've got former NFL player and professional food lover Donovan Clark. Yes, indeed. Oh, oh. Played for Michigan State. He was in the first inaugural playoffs. He played for the San Diego Chargers, and he is a professional foodie. He loves it. He loves the food. We're going to talk to him That's about all of that. About. I can't wait. They're going to be great shows, all of them. August is going to be booked up, man. But until be ready, then, peeps. I have been your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Dave Burles Berlin. Guys, got to give it to Doc for another great show. Whew. I lunkers, man. Lunkers. It's what I do. Lunkers for days. I'm going to make a shirt. Lunkers. It's what I do. People are going to be so confused. They're going to be like, what the hell is that? Is that a sexual innuendo? I think it is. Look at that pervert on the shirt. He's definitely some kind of sexual deviant. Anyways, until next week, zip it up and zip it out. Zippity-doo-dah.